Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Being the real you. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, and this edition is a bit unique. Ron Price, we have a live studio audience, so to speak. This is kind of fun and scary, Dale. It is. (laughs) Tell us about it. Well, this is a group of people who are in Boise, Idaho, this week for what we call an applied axiology course. Axiology is the study of value, or in philosophy, it sometimes is referred to as value theory. So it's how do you philosophically define what is good and what is bad. And this wonderful group of people is here from four different countries. We're together for five days of studying this together. And it can be both very energizing and sometimes frustrating as we push our minds out to develop new concepts of how we think about good and bad and then how we use that to help other people grow. So to set the stage, I walked in about four o'clock in the afternoon and uh, there was some very intellectual material up on the screen, <laughs> and uh, and you can just tell that the folks have been giving it their all intellectually all day. So it's a tough subject. And I, yeah, I love one of the statements that Oliver Wendell Holmes is credited with stating. He said, the mind of man, once stretched by a new idea, can never return to its original dimensions. So we have some folks tonight who will have sore brains, And they will probably contract a little bit when we get back together tomorrow morning, but they will never be the same. Absolutely. So if you hear some voices in the background, that's because we have a live audience. You might hear a door close and some extraneous noise that you typically would not hear during the podcast. Because of that, just understand, and we ask you to have a little grace through this process, that we're in a big hotel conference room. Yeah, and Dale, it's great to be able to see your baby blues. Yes, because a lot of times we are not in the same location when we're recording, but today Absolutely we're not. together. We, we thought this would be a fun opportunity. So today we're talking about authenticity. Hopefully we just gave you an authentic look into the, <laughs> the background of what's happening with this podcast. But if you're following along in The Complete Leader, the book, if you're online, uh, this podcast serves as a resource to go along with the book. It definitely stands alone, but uh, really helpful. And it's section 4.1 in the book as we talk about authenticity and leadership and what it means. So, Ron, let's start with the definition That's for authenticity. A great place to start. So what does it mean to be authentic? I think for most people, they think about being transparent or being honest in the way that they define authenticity. And of course, that's true, but it's a lot more than just that. It's about being you. I, I, th- I love one of the phrases in Randy's, Randy List's book, the co-author of The Complete Leader. He has a book called Le- Bumper Sticker Leadership. And one of the phrases is, be you, everyone else is taken. And part of being authentic is recognizing that you're in, you, a unique human being, and you're not just here to mimic or copy somebody else. You're here to figure out the unique expression of you. So the way that we help people with that is we first want to help them to be encouraged to be themselves. And by that, I mean we want them to have the courage to recognize what's unique about them. And you know, Dale, we use a series of psychometric tools to do that. We map out their behavioral style, which tells us how they respond to different circumstances naturally, and then how they learn how to adapt. And we map out their underlying motivations, or what we refer to as their driving forces. 
We look at their patterns of thought and how they make value judgments as they move through life. And then we also take a look at the extent to which they've developed certain skills. This is all a part of understanding their uniqueness. It's not everything, but it's a part of what helps them to understand that. So I think that's just as important a part of being authentic as what we would refer to as just being transparent or honest. So authenticity starts with first knowing yourself, is what you're saying. I, I Yes, absolutely. And how well do you think leaders know themselves? And I'm, I need to preface that question with the fact that if you're a first-time listener or if you have not listened to this podcast a long time, Ron travels internationally, works with leaders. That's his job, uh, helping leaders be everything they can be. So you have an you you have a vantage point and you have an opportunity to see a lot of leaders. So with that, how well do we know ourselves as leaders? Well, my experience has been that everybody knows themselves some, but nobody knows themselves completely. So self-awareness is not an either or kind of an idea. It's a progressive or an iterative idea. We get to know ourselves over our lifetime and over our career and in fact, because we're not static, we're dynamic human beings, that self that you're getting to know is changing throughout your life. So if you'd asked me 30 years ago whether I thought I had good self-awareness, I'd say, yeah, I think I have pretty good self-awareness. But ask me today how aware I was of who I was 30 years ago, and I'd say, man, that guy didn't know himself hardly at all. And that's the most common experience that I have is that it's a, it's a journey. It's a process, and self-awareness is something that we need to work on or we begin to develop blind spots. We begin to develop parts of ourself that we don't recognize that other people might see. We have to keep working at it. And I've heard you talk about Socrates and phrases about know thyself through this process. Yeah, one of my great mentors, I never actually met him. And that's an interesting dynamic. I think some of the greatest mentors in my life of people who are people who don't know my name, but I know them through their writing and through their what they left behind. So one of my mentors is Robert Hartman. He was a professor of philosophy at the University of Tennessee, and he was the founder of this topic of formal axiology that we've been meeting about. And in his book, Freedom to Live, which is an autobiography, he talks about what he learned from four different philosophers. The first of those was Socrates, who said essentially the purpose of life is to know yourself. And of course, I always joke that when a philosopher says something simple, <laughs> it's never simple. <laughs> they love to make what seems simple complicated. So the yes, idea of knowing yourself takes self-reflection, which is work for most people. Most people just want to sort of get through life. But to really know yourself, you've got to go deeper. You've got to think about what your motivations are, about your, what your emotions are, and how you've responded to different experiences. And some of our self-awareness comes from really looking outside ourselves. I, I call it looking in a mirror. So I, I will often say to a leader when we're talking about self-awareness, have you ever, I'll ask them the question, have you ever seen the back of your head? And they'll kind of look at me like, well, of course I have. I've got, you know, the two mirror thing. And I say, well, how often do you do that? And if it's a man, they'll say, I do it every three months to see if I've got a bald spot growing. But then I say, you know, you didn't actually see the back of your head. You saw a reflection of the back of your head. And in fact, you're not even capable of seeing your own face without using something outside of you 
to reflect back what's happening. And as leaders, I don't think you can develop self-awareness without asking other people to be mirrors for you. They reflect back what they see, and you learn things about yourself that you couldn't learn any other way. Now, I will caution that it's important who you ask to be your mirror, because if you ask the wrong people, you'll end up trapped in a house of mirrors. You know what those are. Yeah. Distorted, distorted views of you. So you want somebody that you trust they're going to be giving you good reflections to help you develop a deeper self-awareness. I'm amazed at how important that's been in my own life, in my own career. And one of the followers that's been the greatest mirror for me has been my children. They reflect so. back things. Well, they, now that they're adults, they reflect back what experiences were like when they were growing up and how they saw me behave. And I'm saying, really? That's what you, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was broadcasting. And I realized there's a big difference as a leader between what your intention is and what your impact is. Your intention is what your motive was. Your impact is what they actually got as a message. And we can't have this kind of self-awareness to know thyself if we don't let other people talk to us about what our impact is. So as a father of a couple of teenage kids, Give me some advice in that area. <laughs> so you said you were you were told this by your kids when they reached adulthood. Is there something you can do to elicit that mirror response from your kids as they're teenagers, or does that put you in a house of mirrors, so to speak? Do they no, have no? I don't. I think you actually can. I think that when you ask your teenagers for opinions or when they react to something that you've said or done they're actually reflecting your impact in that moment. Now, they may not be reflecting what you intended to have happen, but they're reflecting what your impact was. And in that, they're showing you where there may be congruity or there may be a gap between what you intended and what actually got communicated to them. So just listening to what they reflect back to you is great. Another way I think you can do it is take time to explain to them what your intention is and to let them know that you know there's often a difference between your intention and your impact and ask them to give you feedback about, did, did you get across what your intention was or did you somehow get cross-purpose from that in what your behaviors or your words communicated? And this works with people of all ages. So uh, what about the, the tool of journaling? As a way, I think it's reflection. another. These are all great ways of developing more self-awareness or knowing yourself. And I really believe that because our self is again dynamic; it's not static. We 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 don't, we're not poured into a mold, and that's what we are our whole life. We're growing and changing our whole life. The process of knowing yourself, you have to keep renewing it. You have to keep seeing it through new eyes because you're going through new experiences and you're changing. So it's all of these different things that you can do. Our psychometrics help people to know themselves better. So psychometrics, getting feedback, journaling, reflection, these are all examples of how you can know yourself better. But of course, this was just one philosopher. I was going to say, you said there are four. Yeah, Bob Hartman wrote in Freedom to Live about four philosophers. The second one he wrote about was Soren Kierkegaard, who is an existentialist. And he said, oh, no, Socrates is wrong. It's not enough to know yourself. You've got to choose yourself. Well, what did he mean by that? I think what he meant is that it's not just being aware, just logically being aware of who and what you are. It's embracing it. There's an emotional component to where you say, I'm happy with who I am. Now that I know myself, 
I accept it. And it's, it's accepting the things that I'm good at, the things that I'm passionate about, and accepting the things that I'm not good at or that I don't care about. It's accepting this is who I am today at this moment. This is the expression of me, and I accept it. I don't fight against it. And that sounds simple, but when we're talking about engaging people's emotions, it's not simple. Sometimes we're trying to become something that our parents thought we should be. Sometimes they thought we should be a lawyer or they thought we should be a doctor or whatever it might be, and we don't see ourselves that way. Or somebody, sometimes they thought we should be an extrovert and we see ourselves as a quiet person. Or they thought that we should be a great communicator and we don't see ourselves as somebody who spends a lot of time communicating. Or maybe it's a standard that we created or that a, a spouse or some significant person in our life created. But there is often inside of us a philosophical existential battle about whether or not I'm going to embrace who I actually am or I'm going to try to fake it and pretend I'm something that I'm not. So Kierkegaard said this is an important part of the journey of self-awareness to embrace, to say, yes, I accept, I'm grateful, even for my weaknesses. Grateful. And uh, another philosopher? Yeah, the next philosopher that Robert Hartman wrote about was Mirandola. He was an Italian philosopher, and of course, these philosophers, they like to argue with each other, so no, it's not enough to know yourself, it's not enough to, to choose yourself, you need to create yourself. And I think what he was talking about is that knowing and choosing yourself is accepting the, the gifts that you were given in your personality and your motivation and in everything about you. And creating yourself is about now what are you going to do with it? Mirandola said you've got to take this raw material that you were given and turn it into something. So as a young boy, somebody told my mother that I had the hands of a piano player. and I really don't. My hands are pretty small. But my mom didn't know that, so she bought me piano lessons. And I took lessons for, I don't know, four, five, six years, and I won a couple competitions. And then one Friday afternoon, when I was in the seventh grade, my piano teacher fired me <laughs> because I wouldn't practice. You know, years later, I went to a human engineering laboratory where they tried to identify your natural traits. It was part of my own journey of knowing myself. And they ran me through a day and a half of 22 different tests, and at the end of it, their counselor sat down with me and said, Ron, you should consider being a professional musician because actually I'm in the 99th percentile for things like rhythm and tone and all the things that have to do with music. But the problem is I never took that raw material and turned it into something. So today, even though I have the aptitude for music, I have no skill for music. I didn't create anything out of it. Now, my life would be a failure if that was all I'd been given. Fortunately, I had a few other things I'd been given that I did respond to and developed into skills. But I think Mirandola was talking about taking talent, which is a gift, and converting it into skill, which is a learned ability to perform or a learned capacity. And so I think Mirandola was saying we're responsible for doing something with what we've been given. And then finally? Well, Bob Hartman in the book, he, he treated Jesus like he was a philosopher and said that Jesus said, give yourself. Actually, I give this talk a lot of times to leaders and groups of leaders, and I use Bob Hartman as the fourth philosopher because, after all, he was one. And he said, you can know yourself, you can choose yourself, you can create yourself, but until you give yourself, your life really is meaningless. 
It's in giving yourself to create value for others that you manifest purpose and that you really achieve the highest levels of self-awareness. The highest levels of self-awareness are when I believe and see that I made a difference, and I do that when I give myself to others. Fantastic. So we are coming to the close of this specific podcast, but the conversation about authenticity definitely does not end here. So tell us what's next. Well, it's not just about knowing yourself, but authentic leaders also demonstrate their authenticity by how they relate to other people. And they don't just lead by telling other people what to do. So in our next podcast, let's explore this idea of authenticity in in the context of relationships. Perfect. Any other final words for us? Invest yourself in knowing who you are at a deeper level. Wherever, no matter how much you know yourself today, you haven't finished the journey. And continue to be grateful for and embrace that and celebrate what's unique about you and then decide what am I going to take out of this and how am I going to shape it and form it into something of greater value that I can give to others so that I can make my dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs used to say. The book is The Complete Leader. This is The Complete Leader Podcast. If you haven't had a chance yet, be sure to visit the website, thecompleteleader.org. There you will find a host of resources for you around the book and around ways to grow your leadership aptitude. This is The Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to be a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org.